Hello, and welcome to the QBW Podcast with me, your host, Carol Holtzclaw. Let's dive right in. Hello, and we're back for another episode of the QBW Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Holtzclaw. This next guest, it just happens to be the one, the only, the magnificent Shamiqua Holtzclaw. Meek. How are you doing? So happy to have you on the show today. Awesome, Kara. I'm doing awesome, and I'm glad that I could uh, be a part of this. So um, you are my wife, my partner, and my biggest supporter, right? Yes, of course. I'm all those things. <laughs> I wear many. I wear many different hats. <laughs> Incredible. So other than just being, you know, Kara's wife. Um, I would love to share with listeners, you know, who you are. I would love to dive into, you know, just your background and sports, you know, how that has played a big role in your life. Um, And, you know, then let's take it through to where you are today. All right. That sounds good. Okay. So, Shamiqua, where are you from? Well, As you know, I am from Astoria, New York, you know, New York, New York, the city of, uh, of dreams. Um, grew up in Queens uh, most of my life. Uh, went to high school in Queens. Um, but as you know, like many New Yorkers, as you're finding out rather, you know, once you're a part of the, the New York City, you tend to like have lived pretty much every barrel, I would say, except Staten Island and no dig to Staten Island, but it's like the furthest away. So um, yes, I, I, I hail from Queens, New York. Okay. And so let's talk basketball. How did basketball come into your life? Well, basketball sort of like fell into my lap. I was always an active kid. Um, you know, my mom and dad would go to parks, you know, they would participate in like handball or anything. And I would be running around from seesaws to, um, you know, playing stickball to playing tag. But it's one particular day um, when my mom was like playing um, with her friends, I walked over to the basketball court and I remember it's like to this day, uh, picking up a ball and throwing it underhanded. I, I could not reach it. And that was like the earliest memory that I had with my friend Shamik um, playing basketball, trying to play basketball. <laughs> And then um, shortly after that, a couple of years later, um, I moved to my grandmother June's house at a store, in Astoria Housing Project. And that's where like basketball, this really became a huge part of my life. Um, I had a grandmother that was very strict about discipline uh, and structure. And I remember when I came to live with her, you know, she laid down her, her rules, you know, it was like, you're not mm-hmm. gonna be just hanging out in a neighborhood. Um, you're going to have to be doing something constructive. And so for her, that meant, you know, boys and girls club or church, you know, she was big into uh, feeding the homeless and she taught Sunday school. So uh, for me, when I saw the kids out on the basketball court from the window, I'm like, grandma, grandma, can I go um, play? And she's like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm going with my aunt's uh, friend's son, Andrew. And she's like, all right, I can see you from the basketball court. And that's where it kind of like fell in my lap. And I started to really find an interest, take an interest in basketball. Okay. So did you, once you started playing like a regular, like regularly, did you have like immense talent 
than any of your friends or was it something that you feel like you had to work on? Um, I, I felt like, well, when I first started playing, um, it was a little before the whole like girl power thing. So it, I was the girl, the guys would tell you, I was like the only girls out there, uh, only girl out there with a bunch of guys. And so, you know, uh, they didn't take it easy on me. You know, <laughs> I can, I can just, I can feel like when I think about how many times I got elbowed, like in my chest, like I can feel it right now to this, <laughs> to this day, you know? Um, but I was out there, you know, I, I thought I was one of the guys and I was out there playing with them. I never complained. Um, and I got tougher and tougher and it became like a point where I was like better than a lot of the guys out there on the court. And, you know, I, I think for me too, it was also what was going on in my life. You know, you hear stories about like how resilient young kids are, you know, when mm -hmm. you're coming from, we'll say a broken home because it was broken. You know, I, I was forced to go live with my grandmother and not my mom and dad anymore. I found basketball and that gave me so much joy, so much confidence. So that was like the thing that helped me cope, you know, with um, all the stress and the trauma that I was dealing with in my life. Hmm. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so basketball was, you know, becoming something that was more of a way of life to you. You know, I feel like that was something that became a part of your identity almost. And as you played and you got better and you got older, how did high school basketball go? And then how did you end up at Tennessee? Okay. Now, um, you heard like many stories. I know you now, you know, uh, having lived in New York and in the tri-state area, you know how important like basketball is to this part of the, the country. You know, it's like a fabric, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's a it's a it's a big piece, and we carry that you know proudly. You know, it was it's nothing amazing. Remember, we went by like West Fourth Street and some of the courts, and you're like, wow, they have all these games. You were like, kind of like amazed, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is like kind of like survival of the fittest. If you can make it here, you know, like you you could you could get to that next level, you know. And so, um, for me, um, you know, just just seeing for me it was it was seeing the kenny smiths come back to the neighborhood and do things he's from queens the kenny mm -hmm. anderson they, they had so many camps and tournaments and you know i was able to go and hang out the lost battalion and i got to see like what the game of basketball can do when you have these big time at the time men's coaches you know um you know bobby crimmins at georgia tech you know or dean smith you see these people up close and loud in new york city like, you know that it's a possibility. When you when you talk, I'll never forget, Coach Bobby Crimmins told me, he's like, you know, one day you're going to be able to go and there's girls basketball is in college and you're going to play for one of the teams. And I'm looking at him like, yo, I want to play for the boys team. What are, you, what are you talking about, you know? <laughs> but just knowing that this is a, something that I could do is something that's mine and something that I'm good at that could get me a free education that can, like, make my dream become a reality, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I really like focused on. And, you know, my grandmother was like super strict with the academics. So that was like never a problem. And so once I really decided like, okay, this is what I enjoy, you know, cause she was one of those, if you pick something, you know, you have to kind of, you know, stick with it. You have to, you have to, 
give it your all. And so I was the kid in the hood. It, it's interesting because you met some of my friends and they tell us stories, man. I'm really like running from a story of housing projects to a story of park with a backpack full of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really like doing, doing all these things that I think is going to make me um, great. But it was time I went to Queens Lutheran school and that was the first time at Queens Lutheran that I played uh with with girls you know i played Ooh. on the girls team there um that was i want to say queens lutheran was seventh and eighth grade and then the next step was going to christ the king and uh that wasn't just like oh you know you you pick your schools or you take you take some tests for new york city catholic schools and my grandmother was like okay you're gonna go to saint john's prep it wasn't too far from the house and then I heard about Christ the King. I got to meet the coach, my youth coach, um, Tyrone Green, introduced me to him. And they were like, we want you at Christ the King. And now it was about convincing my grandmother that <laughs> I could commute one hour. It's like one hour there, one hour back home. So two hours a day to commute, to wake up, to be on time, to have that discipline in order to go to the school. At first she was like, no, she's like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do it. But let's just say I begged, I begged and I begged. And finally, <laughs> you know, she, she let me go to Christ the King. So when I went there, it was definitely, um, you know, a, a, a different environment. Here I was, you know, playing at like a premier, premier women's program. They won the state championship like every year. They sent so many amazing players into the collegiate rink. So I was like, wow, man, this is like the best of the best. They travel, you know, they have games out of state, you know, they're doing big things. And you know, I thought, all right, you know, my first year, I'm going to go and I'm going to be on JV. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's me and my, you met Danielle. That's my, that's my buddy. And we're going to play together because we play AAU together. And I'm all excited, like, oh, hanging out with my girls. And next thing you know, the coach calls me in the office and he goes, you're not playing on, on JV. Um, I need you on a varsity team. And like I was just like, at that point, shock, kind of, I was looking like a, 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 right, like a scarecrow, like eyes wide. And I was just trying to process that because when I think about it, we had like, that started five was all D1, you know, like mm -hmm. division one players, they played like a national schedule. Like I'm thinking, I'm not going to see any, any time. <laughs> <laughs> and um I was, you know I just wanted to play and have fun that's the way I looked at it I wanted I wanted to enjoy it and I, I knew it was all bad when there was time to pick jerseys and I was like a big Magic Johnson fan you know I was like oh he's like me and my dad used to watch he's a tall guard like he handled the ball so I want to be number 32 what you gotta all pick your number <laughs> And let's just say, like, the star of the team, who was probably, like, twice my size, and, like, the jerseys in high school go went by your, like, size. So, mm -hmm. the you know, the 32 is, like, that's a bigger jersey. And, and that's a jersey, like, she got. And, and I think I think she wore that one. Somebody, yeah, I think she was 32. So, when you looked at jerseys was left, it was, like, number 23. And I go, I go crying to my grandmother, I can't get number 23. Uh, I'm sorry, 32. That's Maggie Johnson. She's like, well, get number 23. And not because of Michael Jordan, because of the 23rd Psalm. And so I said, okay. And, you know, I, I was able to do a lot of amazing things in that number 23, uh, four mm -hmm. times, four times state champ. I think like 
two-time play of the year. Like, I did some amazing things um, at Christ the King High School. It, it was a joy. Me and my team, I think oh, a year or two, we're, like, number one in the country. It's pretty, pretty awesome journey. No, that's incredible. Um, <clears throat> and then how do you go from that <laughs> and being in New York, which is, you know, the basketball mecca. We watched that documentary about, you know, just how many people play professional, how many legends and myths there are in basketball when it's in New York. Um, how did you go from that to the Rocky Top <laughs> University of Tennessee? Well, you know, I had like several schools on my list. I didn't have like a, the, at that time, you know, everyone was going on all these visits. They, you know, had these all these coaches calling. My high school coach was like, pick five schools, maybe seven, that you're really interested. I think mine was like five, and these are the five that you're going to talk to. So he let coaches know. And um, I, I was like always like a social person. So, you know, I looked at like UVA, and I'm like, oh, my girl Demaya's there, like, Monique Foot, like, oh man, I, I like I like UVA or whatever. But my grandmother kind of like X that one in her mind because she's like, <laughs> it's not about your about your friends. And I really like Penn State and and Tennessee. And um, I just rem remember my grandmother really like connecting with uh, Coach Summit. You know, she mm -hmm. felt I could I feel this sense of relief, um, this 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 trust to know that I was going to be okay. And, you know, that was what my grandmother like prayed for all the time was um, for me to be at peace, to, to be successful, um, to kind of like lead, you know, like create my own path. You know, that's what, the, what she prayed for. And I thought she felt, and I know she felt that coach summit um, could su support me in that. And so, I joke with my grandmother, like, after my Tennessee visit that I was going to, like, another school, and I never forget being on the plane, and my grandmother looked at me, and she said, over my dead body, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I laughed it, I laughed it off, and I told her that, you know, and I'm just joking, I'm, I'm, I already told the, the team at UT, and, and I'm, and I'm going to Tennessee. What was your connection with Pat Summit? Um, I I felt like honestly, it's it's like when you're when you're good at something. I like to use the term now, like coached. You know, whether you're an athlete, music uh, musician, or just somebody with a great skill, you know, like people cater to you a little bit, and mm -hmm. and like you know, and like like coach you. It's gonna be okay. Like they know that you're special, uh, and I and I felt like. Coach Summit, man, she wasn't, she was like about that. Like, you know, I'm going to support you and build you up. But she was like, more like, hey, you got to bring it. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's promised, you know, like you mm -hmm. have to, you have to work hard and, you know, pull yourself up by your, your, your bootstraps. And I think that is like the same mindset that my grandmother like instilled in me, you know, that my, my grandmother, her own life, you know, she was, my grandmother was left to raise you know, three kids on her own when my grandfather, like, left her. And he was an alcoholic and, and, and left her and her kids, even though he had a good job and stuff with, with like, nothing and married someone else. And mm. my grandmother had to, like, make it work. And she, you know, she 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 worked hard. 
Um, she relied on family and support and sh showed, a, showed her children a better way. That's why she was so big on like education. So I, I, I knew what she like wanted for me. Cause you know, like you can make, you, you can have like, you, as, as you know, me and you talk, you know, grandparents are, they can, I mean, your parents sometimes, right? Like we're going to talk about like parents. Parents don't always get it right, but they're like better like grandparents, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause they can see, oh, I didn't do this right. I can just love, I can do this. And you know, despite what my grandmother, who she was as a, as a mom, not that, you know, they said anything like really bad about her, but she was an amazing grandmother. You know, she Aww. just really wanted the best of me and support. So I felt like a lot of that, I felt like it was an exchange where she felt that Coach Summit was going to still supply me with that discipline and that structure uh -huh. and, and and watch out for me and you know she was right she was right I was off the I was off to a, a different type of place you know when I say different type you know I was a city kid going to um, the south um, and that had it had its challenges but you know when think, things oftentimes you run into to challenges but you can work through those with like great support and, and and love and kindness and I think that's what Coach Summit's program brought into my life. It brought into that sisterhood. It brought into that family. Um, it taught me to let down, you know, that that barrier. You know, like New York is where our exterior can be uh, kind of tough, you know, and mm -hmm. and to love and to embrace others. So I felt really like safe. Oh, that's good. So you felt like the diversity of New York. You weren't missing that in Tennessee or that the camaraderie of the team and the program. Kara, come that. on, Kara. <laughs> I mean, it's, we, we often laugh about it. It was no, it was no diversity. Like it was like right. University of Tennessee was 98% at the time Caucasian, 2% other. And I had to find that out when I was looking like, where are the Asian people? And they would told me, Oh, you got to check that the international uh, students building or whatever. And I'm like, so they all hang out there or something. And it's just a different place. Not that it's good or bad. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I, I had to, I had to adapt. I had to like understand. And I remember um, a young lady at track team was like, obviously you didn't read on like the demographics of the school. Most, <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the blacks are, you know, engineers from like Memphis or whatever, or, and athletes, you know? So mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I learned something like like early on and it was it was at times like uncomfortable because you know you're learning a whole new place and trying to search for your tribe. Like we all want to connect with people who are like minded. And mm -hmm. I at first wasn't gonna give it a shot because it was just different. Like I'm from New York, I can hop on the train, I can like get around. Uh Knoxville's a little different, you know. Um mm -hmm. you, you like to really explore, you needed the car then have a car, you're like stuck on campus, um, where you're don't see many people that look like you. And I was I was really, really ready to like go back up top. That's up north. You know, it's like I, I need to be around like a more diverse setting. But, you know, Coach Summit, she was like, you know, I already talked to your grandmother and I, my grandmother when I left out the door, this is what she said. You are not coming back here. You are not graduating in, in five years. You will graduate in four years. And when I see you, you will have your degree. Like, it was like, oh, dang, I can't come back home. But anyhow, I understood what she meant. Um, she just saw something uh, better for, for my life. Um, and so 
I, I, I just practically, um, you know, I told her something like, I'm, I'm gone. Like I'm, I'm going to transfer. And she already talked to my grandma. So that was a no go. And coach someone was like, you know, just trust me. I'm going to show you what like family is. The family doesn't have to be blood. It's something that I often talk about. She said, it's the people that show up and show out for you in your life. And she's right. Once we started becoming a team and meeting each other, we were all like different backgrounds or whatever, but majority of the young ladies were from the South, if I'm not mistaken. And uh -huh. so, um, you know, we were learning each other. They may say, I talk too fast. I'm like, you talk too slow, but we got to meet somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And she was uh -huh. right. I found, I found a community. I found a sisterhood and we all came there. We all came there with the same goal. Yes. To get our degrees and to play for the Lady Vols, be a part of Lady Vols, but to be led by this amazing mentor, this amazing woman that empowers us to be the best that we can be. And that was Coach Pat Summit. So we were like, hey, we got to figure this out. We're working together. Like, let's get this done, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. We've talked about this so many times. Your experience in college, um, although is similar in a way of like the culture shock piece, um, you know, just incredibly different because we're two very different people and raised very differently. Um, but it's funny because, you know, both going to SEC schools, Tennessee was like the pinnacle, you know, that was incredible. Um, had phones, cell phones been a thing, even when I was in school, I probably would have stopped and took a picture with Pat right before you guys whooped our butts on the court. Um, but because <laughs> uh, you know it was phenomenal even just to be that close up on her and for her to shake my hand as if I did something um, and my experience at Arkansas you know I did I felt like the students were really segregated um, it seemed as if people kind of stuck with who they look like um, unfortunately and then but the student athletes, I felt like commingled. You know, I felt like if you were on a team and you had different race people on your team, you'd still hang out with your teammates. Um, right, so. but you should know that's what that's what sports does. You know, like that 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 sports is like one of the things that brings communities, nations yeah, together. Unifies. You know, Definitely. yeah, it, it unifies, and so that's what that's what you're gonna see. But as a young young people, right, and you have people pulling people in from different like backgrounds, unfortunately, like a lot of people, and if you aren't exposed, see, at a young age, like you, you it's very rare that you have um, a lot of young people who are exposed to so many cultures and ethnicity, ethnicities. And so when you don't have that, you have people that have learned, like, and I learned this from like playing overseas all those years or whatever, like, mm -hmm. People believe in the media, what they see on TV, you know? Yeah. I, I remember I was in Poland one year and I, I look up and I saw Minister Society was on television. And I'll never forget calling Dominique Canty, uh, and a former WNBA player. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, we go out tonight. We're going to get like all of this. And it was, it was, it's something that's so real. They would be like, yo, 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 what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, don't even, I don't even I don't even talk like that so one of my teammates I said you know I said what is like they don't see they they saw a lot of um Poland a lot of black Africans but black Americans they you know they learn us they think what they see on tv is real mm. so back to what I'm saying it's like 
if people aren't aren't exposed to something different than than what they do, it could sometimes be a fear, you know. People yeah. put people in, in in boxes, you know. And to to be honest, let's talk about it. Like I was take I was like removed. I don't want to say taken. Like I was I I went to because uh, my family first of all, right? Believing in like uh, parochial school, Catholic school. I always went to like uh, private school, right? So mm-hmm. besides a couple of years. And so it was always, it wasn't a lot of people that looked like me, right? Mm-hmm. A few. So here I am. I'm getting used to having to get used to that at a young age, you know? And then you think about sports and competitive, competitive sports. It's like, if you're a good kid, like myself, I'm, I'm a black, I was a black woman, I'm good. They want you to come to like, they want to pull you to schools with resources, you know, and a lot of times the schools with resources are at that time, you know, I can't speak for now because I'm not like a coach or, you know, like know what's going on in schools. But um, when you look at the head of these schools and the, and the, and the staffing it's predominantly, uh, well, we'll just say is not black <laughs> and I'm a black right. woman, right? So I've had to adjust at different points in my life of, of always like I'm the a minority in a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of situations, you know. And I just remember as an adult, um, you know, especially like living living in Atlanta and hanging with one of my friends who would like go out with me and she was like a white woman and you know, she would love like to hang out or whatever. So we would go to some places and you know, Atlanta has a large African American population, you know. Um, at one point, it was like mostly occupied. The city of Atlanta was, uh, I think it was like over 70% African American, if I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, she's going and she'll be like, oh, this is different. And I just looked at her one day and said, imagine my life. But she had an aha moment, you know? Mm-hmm. She's like, wow. I said, I've always had, I've always been like one of a few. You know, my high school team was probably like, three of three of us or like two of us at a time and they like oh, three really? at one point yeah and not i'm not saying like i was treated like any differently or whatever but that's the way you you know my my mindset going things that's how it, it is you know mm-hmm. unfortunately and then you go to college and yes it was some other sisters on the team but i guess like me as you know a person of color I've learned to uh, adapt and adjust, whereas like my, my counterparts in a lot of cases, you know, like some of my, my white teammates, my friends, they don't know what that's like because they don't my majority. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Right. No, absolutely. Um, it's funny. My dad has always said <clears throat> sport is a microcosm of society. But um, when I'm thinking of that, I mean, I think when you think of any subculture, that it is a microcosm of the society that it lives right or that Mm -hmm. it exists but I mean you just made a really strong point that it's kind of flipped when you look at professional sports right there's a lot of professional sports leagues um at least here in the United States where it's a very high number of minorities um you know in all of U.S. society as opposed to the majority and so how interesting that there is an element of it being a microcosm and things that are happening in just everyday society are then going to affect and be happening, um, you know, within the sport culture, but that the sport, sport culture is different. You know, the makeup of it is, is just very different. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also feel like, 
especially speaking about the WNBA and um, the G League, but there's so I feel like there's even that international level of intelligence or awareness and or experience that also um, kind of lives within that too. Um, so it's just interesting. You made a you made a really strong. I've ever really thought that much about. Um, so you jumped ahead of me. Uh, you were at Tennessee. You won three championships out of four, which is incredible. Um, also, just recently found out that you're an artist and were tape recording everything that was happening through <laughs> your experiences at the University of Tennessee, as well as um, the Olympics, which is incredible. Um, and I mean, there's just gosh, there's so many things that I want to ask you about. Um, so what was that transition like from college to the pros? Um, the, the, the transition, um, well, it was, it was back to, to you know, to, I went to Washington, D.C., so it was back to uh, city living, um, which was um, exciting. But it was, for me, um, it was like a, a whirlwind, but it was also like a lonely thing because it's different being a pro athlete is like different than a collegiate athlete or like the coach has been there sometimes or has more control of the program you know pros there's so many turnovers if the team is not successful and me being a number one pick uh, I went to the worst team and I think the year before they won like three games and I think that year we won 12 so it was like a little, little different, but, you know, they were trying to find, like, the, the right coach to, to coach us. And, you know, women's professional basketball was still relatively new. So, you mm -hmm. know, the coaches didn't take into account, like, a lot of the women uh, went overseas and, and had, you know, like, long seasons over there. And then they were, we would come back to the States. And I'm talking about, like, practices. Like, some, some teams was doing – three hour practices two and a half hour practices mm. twice a day and like you sounds like, like punishment <laughs> yeah it was but it was it, it was like in their minds though it wasn't like um I want to say yeah I mean they was like doing because if you take a college coach that's why like a lot of college that's the college mentality you know um and it wasn't really until and uh, you know people can say whatever this is from my experience right um it wasn't until like some of the pro guys and like started coming over to the women's games. Cause I know for us, it was uh, D Walker, Daryl Walker, uh, shout out D walk um, who came and he was like, I'm going to have y'all practicing. Well, first of all, D walk, I was like, he was upset because he wanted to be on the golf course. And he like, Oh, y'all got me. Got Mike then calling me to come coach. And I want to be like, like, we're looking like that. We not chopped liver, but. He, he was funny and he was to the point, but he taught us how to become professionals. You get in, you work max, an hour and a half, you bust your butt, you come to training camp in shape and you make it do what it do. So it's, it's coaches like him and, and some other um, former male, you know, male coaches that was able to bring that perspective and understanding to, to the women's game because those two hours, three hour practices, that was like breaking down the body, you know, tw twice a day. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was that was a lot. But aside from that, um, you know, it's it's just dealing with a different age range of players. So you got mm -hmm. like twenty one to, you know, some teams I, I think I played with a uh, Vicky Bullet. I can't remember her 
she was older she was like late 30s or whatever so it's just like I'm learning stuff from her as far as like she's like host club this is how you got to take care of your body you got to go in the cold tank after every game and it's like a level of respect for her because she's not going to practice every day so it's like learning the system you know what I'm saying and and the coach has to be able to adapt to this larger age ring you know where in some mm-hmm. cases you might have players like older than coaches <laughs> oh goodness so I, I I got to like like witness that and the, the takeoff in the beginning of like women truly understanding how how to become professionals and it, it was like an amazing thing amazing things that I experienced mm-hmm. Um, and, and let's talk about this. Let's let's just talk about like being a young girl, right? Any uh-huh. young, young girl out there, we're going to talk about girls because we're both women and you working hard and like seeing your dream become a reality. You know, for, for me as a young girl growing up in New York, I got to see, you know, I got to see Felipe and Stefan, all these guys like around my age, like go and do big things, go to college. And, you know, playing it, the, the NBA, you know, I knew that that's where they were going next. Man, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to play in the NBA one day. Like, that wasn't something that I could even fathom, you know? Like, that, mm. wasn't, that wasn't something. And so, yeah. you know, you're, you're like, okay, this is what it was. Oh, go to college, go overseas possibly, or but you're going to college to get a, get a good job to, to be successful. So, you know, I just remember like thinking like when the ABL came, then it was the WNBA and you're seeing a dope commercial. We got next with Lisa Leslie shows, who's <laughs> Rebecca Lobo. You know, you're like, man, like, like I could do this. It was like a lot of hype, you know, surrounding the situation and, you know, just being a little girl and like writing those letters that my grandmother found, like one day I'm going to play in the NBA. I, I didn't get to do that, but the WNBA came about and I got to do that. So you know, it, it it's just something that if you put your eyes and your heart, you know, put put your eyes on a goal, you know, set forth and you're focused and you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're, you're committed and you've got good support, you know, love and, you know, what can become, what can become is, is something that can become so beautiful. So shout out, you know, to all the young girls that sacrifice, that, that work, that, that know, that dream about something that are able to lock in and, and have those type of goals because it's not, it's not easy, especially like being a, a young girl and so many distra- distractions. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, I was, I was, I was teased all the time. I, w- I was bullied because I was doing something that was different. I didn't, I didn't want to hang out and just, you know, talk about the boys. I wanted to be out there busting their butts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to compete. I want, I wanted to be on a basketball court all, all, all day. I didn't care about what I wore or whatever. And, you know, much respect. Those girls that I grew up, the girls that like beat me up and, and bullied me, yo, they, as an adult, like they were girls that like, man, you know, we're so proud of you. Like you, you were so focused and, you know, we, you know, you don't understand that, but like you work so hard and we're glad to, you know, see like your dreams come in reality. And I appreciate, I appreciate that because when you're tough, when you're young, and especially a girl, you know, dealing with like body image stuff and, you know, figuring out, you know, things, you know, inside and, you know, uh, confidence, like sports help like cure a lot of that. It, it made me more confident. I could control this, you know, it had me walking with like a little bit more, more swag. So it's, it's definitely <laughs> been a blessing. Um, I want to know about the Olympics. So what is the process like that to 
play for the Olympics? Is it like you go and you try out? I feel like they now give us kind of an inside look into what the process is now for men and women. And I feel like it took a while to get to that point where they showed us kind of how that process went for the women's game. Um, You know, the men's, I feel like, oh, they have this training camp thing and then they're selected and then they cut the roster. Right. You know, what What did it look like for you? Right. Well, I, I can't, like, really, like, so, totally touch on probably every the whole process because, like, again, I was younger and a lot of this stuff was, like, a blur, a, a blur, excuse me. And, <laughs> they just told you and to be there. I, and you I, I, I remember I was, like, at one point, like, the youngest player on the team and then, it was like okay, we they name like some players and maybe they have like alternates. Like I can't, I can't even like tell you. It's so much stuff I just like don't wow. remember, recall. But I just mm-hmm. know like you, 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 you're with the team and you're, you're, you go on tour basically. You hit like we, we may go to Florida to train and you know have some friendly games and then we'll practice or we may like go practice for three weeks here or two. I mean like two weeks, get together the team and go practice and you know head overseas, but. It's just um, it was a time to like build build out our team to like um, look at different like combinations of, of, of players um, mm-hmm. to to try to like you start like pretty much you know it's like world 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 championships you're like starting out pretty much like two years in advance to kind of build that ultimate team to compete at the Olympics. Oh wow! Can you share a little bit about what the experience was to compete in the Olympics? Oh, it was uh, it was a great um, experience. Uh, unfortunately, like my I had a foot injury, so I didn't really get I had like stress fracture in my foot, and it was like super painful. So I didn't get like the full experience. I was like mm-hmm. a cheerleader. Oh, but you still got a gold medal, right? <laughs> Man, like yeah, I, and I deserved it. Like I did everything that I was supposed to do to get there. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know the ball just doesn't doesn't bounce in the court. You know you you just keep keep pushing, keep trucking ahead. So I did the work to get there, and you know I was balling, did whatever. And you know you're on that stage. It was it was game time. I just gotta support my sisters and and be okay with that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think was the best player on your team? Um. Wow, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't even even say say that because you know I know like society uh, people. No, no, they have they have their their favorites, right? But like I I don't know. I was out there like competing, so I know like what it is. Like first of all, you had like I had like Don Staley and Teresa Edwards like as the point guards. Like you're gonna get set up nicely. Like those are like two cream of the crop, man. Like Dawn mm-hmm. could lead a team and she was just really like an asset coaching you, helping you get get better. Then you had Teresa Edwards, man. Like, come on, she's probably like one of the most decorated players. And I, I know like when she when the WNBA came into fruition, it was a little bit like past her time, but so much respect on the way she played the game and definitely like just an amazing athlete. Um, then you had come on big smooth. You got Lisa Leslie. I mean, you got ambidextrous big person that could put the ball on the floor, athletic or whatever. It, it's just like we had so many uh, amazing pieces. <laughs> right? Like you, even they show show swoops. You know what I'm saying? The speed that that she had. Um, 
you know, it's it's amazing. Rebounding the heck out of the ball, Yolanda Griffin, like it, it's just it's just like Katie Smith to knock. Come on, you want me to keep going? On? You want me to keep going? All right, all right. <laughs> it's such a fabulous team. Can't pick I one. Mean, it's, gotcha. I, I, it's, yeah, it's 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 like I look at the game from like positions. You know what I'm saying? And like how people dominate and do do their job. And it's like all those players do do their job. If if you say who's like the best, I'm a, I'm gonna start with a team like that. Like, I'm going to say Dawn, I'm going to say Teresa, the point guards, man, they run, they, the team goes off them, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. orchestrating because you have to get 12 of the best players in the world to sacrifice, to come together, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like not always the coach, they have to be an extension of, of the coach. And so I think they carry like in those situations, the most, the most load and getting people where they need the, the ball, you know, getting the ball where it needs to be, being vocal. So I'm, I'm going to go with the point guard. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think that it's something that's very present right now in pop culture, but also just want to pick your brain about playing overseas and where did you play overseas and what was that experience like? Well, um, well I've, I've had the opportunity. I may forget some places, but I've played <laughs> Uh, Korea, Russia, Poland, Spain, Hungary, Cyprus, and maybe some other place that I can't remember right now. But um, it was a great experience, and for me, every everybody's experience is like different. So I I, I want you to take that into account. Like for me, though, I always got to play like on one of the top top teams, you know. So. Most of the time, I'm, like, in a bigger city, you know, um, people speak a little bit of English. So, you know, you're, like, it's it's, it's crazy. Like, the fans are, like, diehard, man, and they support you uh, and love you and cheer you on. um, And you just have to be open. Like, I went into situations, and, you know, imagine, like, everybody – Especially when they're talking their native language, like every like people will know who you are. You don't know what the hell they're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's just like I, I like I've always just like uh, been open to like learning more. And I'll go like to my teammates' houses, and their their families will cook, and I would try different food. And you know, I was always open to that. And when you like these people will give you their best, and you know you have a you have a chance to like educate them on your journey and your life and, and being a, like a, a black American. Cause remember again, if they don't travel, they don't know they're learning you from TV. So I've always like looked at it as like, Hey, I got to connect with people and whatever. And it was one of the greatest um, experience. Like I, I always like to, I'm proud to say I have like friends like all over the world mm-hmm. <laughs> You do. through, yep. through, the, through the amazing game of, of basketball, you know, something that we, we we connect with we we love we love you know we we we, we grow together you know because of it so it's it's great you know it's it, it's healing it's been healing for us you know um, you know we sit in the gym I never forget uh, one year one of my um, teammates overseas is just going through like a hard time um, dealing with like a family member's like illness or whatever and. You know, I was just like, you want to go shoot? And we were just like, go to the gym, uh, just shoot around and just like talk. You know, it was like, 
yeah, you know, I've experienced this. Let's talk about life. And, you know, we're just from two separate worlds, literally, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're just like, you know, bonding over basketball and the, the lessons that like it's taught us and our families and stuff. And as much as you think through life, you know, I just tell young people, as much as you think that like you're different, you're the same and emotions, feelings, joy, you know, it, a lot of that stuff all hits us the same. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to tell the story of us meeting in Africa. That's what I thought you were setting that up for. <laughs> negative. I don't just set that up for life. <laughs> negative. Negative. Well, um, I mean, I feel like with soccer um, and the professional league for women's soccer and with the WNBA, I feel like there's been conversations with pay equity um, and definitely with the WNBA talking about players having to go overseas and then with everything happening in the news today headlines you know still about Brittany Griner um, I mean how do you feel about that what what are your thoughts I don't think we've ever even really talked about that um no I mean I, I understand um you know, I I saw I saw an interview with uh, I think I was telling you about Kelsey Plum, and she was just talking about it's not that like WNBA players expect to receive those you know two hundred million dollars salaries, but it's just like higher percentage of licensing, you know, more ownership mm-hmm. on 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 what you like put out there, and you know I I agree with her, you know I remember when I first came to the league, and it's just different because like you know, in the workforce, right? So I'm going to the league to go play. And as as far as like some of my friends from college were entering the work field, we would talk. And I'm like, oh, WNBA, WNBA, I get 25% match at the time. It's changed 25% match on my 401k. And mm-hmm. so my friends are like, they're, they're working like average jobs or whatever. They're like, when I say average job, like they're, their careers, you know, they're getting into like politics or whatever their 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 field is, and mm-hmm. um, so we'll just say that they're they're going into the workforce, um, and they're like, oh, three percent or six percent, you know, and like again, we're young, we're trying to like, oh, okay, like that's the my friends like, no, six percent is great, you know, mm-hmm. but then when you looked at, it, I remember look, reading about something, and it's like the NBA is getting like a hundred percent max, if I'm not mistaken. And it's like, damn, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, wow. So I think, you know, it's, it's just like the little things that you can, can fix to, to bring it up there and to make it so that it's growing. The game is growing. The talent's increasing. The, the pay is increasing. The exposure is increasing. You know, it's like you have – when it first started out with like men's basketball, you know, you have like the pioneers that sort of like paved the way, you know, I, I hope like to look back, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, where you're now seeing, you know, million dollar WNBA contracts. And I understand mm-hmm. it, it takes, it takes time. But when you look at women, I right, just the marketability, you know, from product across the board, I think there's a lot of ways that um, it can, it can grow, you know? So um, I, I appreciate, you know, these, these young people just being so outspoken for what they want. But it just sucks because whenever, you know, you hear these ladies, young ladies say something, it's like, oh, my God, you know, you comments, WNBA is boring. How can they expect to get paid millions of dollars? They don't even sell that many jerseys or, 
you know, and 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 so when I heard Kelsey Plum, you know, speak about it more specifically, I was like, ah, oh, yes, this is what people need to hear. It's like the the little things, you know, like like fix it where you can. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I've worked on the business side of sports, so I have a different, I feel like, point of view. Um, sometimes, and when I hear players talk about how much they should be getting paid or how much they think they should be getting paid or compensated or how much they think is being shared across the team or, or whatever, or the league or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with you about the women's game um, being at the peak. You know, I feel like right now they're at a boiling point. <clears throat> it, to me feels kind of reminiscent of when the W started. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of um, energy. There's a lot of interest um, since, you know, I feel like everything shifted during the lockdown of COVID. And I feel like 2020, you know, it it brought out all this social injustice, but it also brought out um, like more eyes the on gender every, injustice. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the gender gender injustice, and then you you, you take a spin too, because a, a long time ago, I mean, like I was I was listening to I never forget I was like listening to maybe it was a podcast no, but I think it was print. I was reading something, uh, uh, UConn Maya Moore, and she was just like you know. You, she 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 went to UConn, she's successful, whatever, then she comes to the W and you think this is pro sports, but you're playing in front of the least amount of fans, the least amount of like support. But the exciting thing now for women's that I'm really excited about is, uh, and you know, shout out to, to Dawn Staley and South Carolina and like her being able to get her whole team. Did I read that right? Like, cause I know me and you talked about it. You know, sometimes I'll glance over things or whatever, but <laughs> I, I think I read that right where the whole team got like NIL deals, you know, and me oh. having, a, having the opportunities to, to, to go onto campuses and, you know, uh, speaking with young with coaches and stuff, and I always like, how's that? How's that going? And some schools love it, and some, you know, not so much. But I think too, that's the right now. You have like these young ladies because of social media, right, and marketability. Like they're getting, they can get these brands exposure, right? So I'm just gonna throw a company out there. Like uh, I watched when I was watching the Final Four, the young lady from the post player from South Carolina. Um, she has like a sponsorship by Crocs, I think, and she had all these mm-hmm. Crocs, right? And I was thinking in my head, like, but I know what it's like being young because I had one one time, like over like two hundred, three hundred pair of shoes, right? So <laughs> I was like, why do you need that many pair of Crocs? I'm thinking whatever. But I was laughing, but like, yeah, I mean, she she's she, I, I'm a, I'm assuming she's sponsored by them, but you yeah. get what I'm saying? Like we're we're learning because of social media, we're learning about these young people in a different way. They're able to, you know, um, hit hit their their support and, and and people that buy into their brand. So it's showing the female the female power, right? Like she they could do makeup, they could do uh hair, they you know, clothes. She like it's so many so many things that like women can do. So I'm I'm gr- I'm glad to see these young girls getting the opportunity to do that with this NIL and hopefully that carries over to the the marketing and the support to the for the W because if these if they, these brands rock with them right 
mm-hmm. you correct me again you you more the business i'm more like this is what i think you know so if the <laughs> brands are like taking these chances now you know um the young lady that i like what's her name from yukon um she she she's she's bossy you know Becker. yeah right so if they rocking with them in college and they have this platform Hopefully they rock with them when they get to the pros, you know what I'm saying? And still and come behind and say they're gonna do sponsorship for the league and things like that, you know? But you know what? I I totally feel you and I'm I'm right there with you, but I have always said this and you know, I guess I have not looked into the actual logistics of it, but I just think that the women like the WNBA needs to play during the NBA. I know now it's crazy because there's the G League and the WNBA and the NBA, and so I know that they're tied to some NBA teams, and so then it's like, oh, the gym space, how can we all be there? But I mean, maybe you play at different gyms, or maybe you play at college universities to tie then the women's game to the pros, um, the women's college game to the pros, but I just think it needs, I think playing out a season is, <laughs> I think that, I just think that could be a game changer. And maybe I have no idea what I'm talking about because if you got down into the weeds, it wouldn't make any sense. But I just feel like, come on, it's basketball. You know, like I feel like everybody knows like Thanksgiving, we're going to sit around and eat food and sit around the TV and watch football. Not me personally and not my family, but I know that that's the thing, you know. And then when it comes to Christmas, that's basketball. You know, NBA, Mm -hmm. they have their double headers of the best teams, showdowns. Those, you know, you get – TNT, ESPN, whatever, you know, it's going to happen. <clears throat> I just feel like with the W being out of season, I also would think that there has to be something for the science of that too, because think about it. You've been playing ball since you were a kid, right? And you're exceptional. I know that you don't, you know, you don't take that from me, but you're, you're one of the most phenomenal women's basketball players ever. Um, and I think that you have a rhythm, your body, biologically, you get in the rhythm of this is when I play, this is my season. So your body picks up on that, you know? And so you consistently have that basketball season that's the same your whole life. And mm-hmm. then you're 21 years old and now you're going to play in the summer. You know what I mean? Like you play that hard in the summer as opposed to <laughs> during your natural biological cycle now when you play. So I feel like you could then be somebody who's going to be injury prone to maybe at a time where you hadn't been before because your body had been so used to a rhythm that you just jump out right. of because you're right. professionally. But you already know what I'm going to say. It's, it's, uh. about, like, it's about adapting, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you just, there's levels to this, you know? <laughs> There's levels to it, and you just gotta you gotta adapt. And and the thing about it now, more than ever, you know, it's so much information out there how to take care of your body, how to how to get the most out of maximize, you know, rest, massage, treatments. And so now you know, it's it's I'm excited, man. I, I I'm I'm you know I have my my favorites in the WNBA in in college, but it's exciting now watching these um, young women uh, compete. You know, it's just amazing the level of athleticism is improving i mean i'm watching high school kids just drop step and dunk i, I dunk, yeah the, the the future is, is is bright but with anything um as you know you want to see if you're putting in the work and things are growing you just want to see that growth you want to see yeah. changes you know it, it can't be the same you know 10 years from now you know it gradually right. things have to change and increase and now we're seeing the talent increase because that wasn't something that was um, 
happening, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> and yeah. now, or, or was it, or was it, or was it, or was it that girls were doing that and we just didn't see it because of social media? You know, hmm. we yeah. don't, you know, possibly it, you know, it's a little, <laughs> a center too, right? So is this like, like when when I'm talking to like some young people or whatever, it's like exciting. Like they're like, oh, you know, if you don't post it, it didn't really happen. So it's like <laughs> an incentive to post things and put things. So you know, this this generation always wants to show their best foot forward, right? So is that something that in the back of their minds that is also a motivating force, right? To say, hey, I can if I if I dunk this, like we all are like at times chasing a carrot, right? Like you think about it, right? So. It's like certain things you want and you're chasing certain markers, right? Yeah. Like, tell me if I'm right. So I, I'm thinking like, if they know like, man, I could get a deal off of this or I could get you like so much attention off of these things. Like, like in their heads, like oh, now kids are going to grow up. Like, man, when they, when they realize what it is, like I'm going to start working on being able to dunk on my ball handling. Like I want, I was talking to a, a kid not so long ago and I was like, yeah, you know, I like, I'm a big, I like big guards, right? When I was at King, I was like, I like, I like big guards. So, you know, I said my, my favorite type of player is going to be like the new wave. I want to see a six, three point guard too, you know, with like the Nikki T handle with like the mix of a combination of, you know, um, catches on defense, like, like a uh, mid-range game, game like I have, being able to handle the rock, you know, like boom, like it's oh my god, it's, and it and it could and it could happen because that that kid was like, yeah, you know, as high school kid, like I I, I was like at that time she's probably like right now she's probably six foot and she has to handle the ball and I'm like yo just keep work so she's going to the lab right and this hmm. is what she's practicing to be this type of player and if she grows she's gonna be that type of player. So now they can put this. We watching these young athletes. Everything's on social media, right? They post yeah. stuff, may, and and that's something that triggers like a level of excitement for them to keep them pushing because it's it's motivation. Back in my time, it was like yo, you made that little cutout in a Newsday, and your name got put in there like it's like Ooh. a little square, and like you were like, oh my god, I made it. Don't make a bigger paper. I never forget. I made the uh, USA Today. I got to do like a weekly journal in there and it was like oh what happens for the bus in the morning <laughs> or you're going to get that newspaper and you and your crew reading it on the bus you're like ah so those are the things like you you were chasing right like oh man you know if we win the co coaches said that we could get we could get we could wear black sneakers because i don't think we were able to wear like we had to always wear white but we could we went so you're chasing something there's something dangled <laughs> sometimes in front of you so man if you like you get what i'm saying yeah. I mean, I think that that, I think that definitely is like the more positive side of social media, um, which, yeah, I think that now with these athletes being able to be more in charge of their brand, um, mm -hmm. it's starting them to be business minded at a younger age and to know that like, oh, wow, I can control, you know, who I am. I can actually create that and put that out into the world as opposed to letting somebody else sign me, scout me, say mm -hmm. something about me, and then, yeah, I get a little blip in USA Today. Or I grace the cover of Slab Magazine. But, um, you know, I definitely think that those are the positives of social media. Well, um, I really appreciate your time in talking. I feel like 
this to be part one of part two or part five um, in speaking with you. I feel like there's so many different angles we could have gone um, in our conversation, but I love that it stayed more, you know, just on the basketball side of things, the business of basketball. Um, and I think that, you know, your insight is something that is so interesting, you know, being one of the best to do it. So I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your insight. Um, and tell the people how they're able to follow you, reach you, stay connected to you, see what you're up to now. Oh, yes. Um, well, thank you for having me, Kara. And just to let you know, it's not like I had a choice, you know, we're in the same house. But yeah, sounds good. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> no, I was, let me let me rephrase that, Kara. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. I'm so proud of you. Um, you can read you can reach me um at chol one c h o l d one on instagram um and if you need to contact me you can contact uh tandem sports um based out of uh, dmv you know um yeah tandem that's uh t-a-n-d-e-m sports and entertainment and you don't hang out on any social media platforms, that's it? Or you're the whole one across all the, all the social? Um, yes, I'm, I'm across all the social <laughs> media platforms, but I don't utilize social media that as much, you know? So I just always like Instagram. I don't know the last time I checked Twitter, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just mothering, um, you know. Oh gosh, hashtag mom so hard. Mom, okay. I'm mom, exactly. I'm mom so hard to take care of. Um, these kids to you know there's so much more we could talk about but you know I just really focus on being present um, with, with my children and, and loving them and encouraging them and breaking also a lot of generational um, things that you know I've had to deal with and yourself also so just you know really focus on that so I, I, I would like to be more present but um, it's, it's times where uh, my son is Occupy Mimi, so he, don't, he doesn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure that this hour has taken, you know, he's itching to be with you. So we will call it. Thank you again for joining and keep listening. Thank you. We'll have to do it again soon. Take care. <laughs>